There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show. And I uh, hope you're Hope you're feeling well. We're um, all around the world. We're, we're talking about coronavirus and uh, maybe making some of us feel a little bit fragile at the moment. You know what's get, what's coming, and um, really um, we're in a tailspin at the moment. And uh, therefore, I just feels that talking today about uh, are you agile or fragile and some strategies uh, it could be a really helpful helpful antidote to help us deal with this uh, very unusual situation and time and um i've just seen one little uh, joke that had been posted in a on social media which was just begging for um, brexit to come back because we all got fed up over here in the uk of hearing about brexit and now it's all coronavirus and we're we're kind of wishing coronavirus would go back and we'd be quite happy to hear about brexit but um yeah big big um, a big big challenge for us right now um, last uh, week, we had Stephen Morris and Elizabeth Finberg Hearn, and we were talking about about sustainability and what you can do about sustainability, how we can all contribute, and the fact that actually we can all do something. We can make some changes in our life to become much more sustainable, uh, and therefore also we can make changes to maybe connect with our communities and uh, start talking locally about, um, you know, about situations around uh, becoming um, more sustainable. What could we do as a local area? We can be connecting with uh, business and doing that through our businesses. And therefore, we, we, we explored that last week. So do go back into the archive and listen to that. Today is actually our 366th unique episode. This show has been running now into its ninth year. And therefore, there's a live one-hour recording. Well, not live, it were live at the time, but in the archive, there's 365 and soon six with this one. So therefore, over the next year, this year's a leap year, so there's 366 days, but over the next year, you could listen to a recording every day. And I think if you did, as somebody said, there'd be a complete education in there about business and about elevating your thinking to a new level um, you know, the, just the content in, in here from some of the guests is just phenomenal. So uh, a tremendous resource for you if you want to sort of beat the blues um, with all this coronavirus talk and, and if you find yourself hold up at home to listen and learn. So we would never have anticipated this virus. It's, it's put the world into a tailspin. But we wouldn't have anticipated a 17-year-old called Greta Thunberg could have, have uh, brought this focus around and reality around climate change to the massive masses and changed perspectives forever. Yet in an even faster instant life, we find that things, curveballs can be thrown at us, illness, work surprises, accidents, even hecklers at a speech. Yet are you able to be agile in your response when others around you might be fragile? Now, uh, my uh, guest today, John Kramer, is a, a friend. He was on the show Gosh, back in 2012, believe it or not, so quite some time ago, and I'm delighted, therefore, to have reconnected with him and brought him back because he's a highly experienced improvisational performer. He works, I've seen him with humour, stagecraft, he uses role plays, 
He's the founder of the award-winning Maydays Improvisation Company. I remember going to an event. Uh, it was uh, a sort of a conference with lots of speakers many years ago, and John was on the agenda. And to get into his session, you had to queue up from about 7 a.m., to be sure that you were going to be able to book on and uh, because it was well and truly oversubscribed. So gives you a little indication of how successful and respected John is. He's, um, uh, he's the author of The Art of Reading People and Improv, and he's uh, a keynote speaker and trainer. His clients include Facebook, Microsoft, Hewlett-Packard, Lloyd's, TSB, Roche, GSK, Vistage, T-Mobile. He was voted Speaker of the Decade by the Academy for Chief Executives. And when he's, he's not on stage, he's usually fly fishing in, uh, in a remote de- destination somewhere around the world. So, um, huge welcome to, uh, to John Kramer. Thank you, Chris. Wonderful to be here. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Now, the last time I interviewed you, it was 2012. I imagine in those, in that, back in those days, you were probably in short pants. Um, <laughs> what have you been doing since then? I have been... A- just organically growing my speaking and training business and addressing work-life balance by making sure I do as much fishing as I can when I'm when I'm not speaking so it's been uh, it's been a pretty it's, yeah it's been a pretty wonderful eight years yeah and where are you from originally where are you based now I'm originally from Brighton on the south coast of England, and I'm currently based about six miles inland. Uh, Brighton's a little bit hectic these days, so I'm out in the countryside. Uh, very nice. And were you, uh, uh, what, did your, what did your family do when you were growing up? How did you end up doing what you're do, you doing? Um, there, there was no connection between the, the, the professions of my family and, and myself becoming an improviser. It was just... I'd we'd one common thread would be that we have a, a deep deep love of comedy in in my family. My my dad turned me on to the goons when I was a child, oh. and um, my mum and I would would you know religiously watch Monty Python's Flying Circus every Thursday, and I actually saw them live on stage when I was an eleven year old. So uh, I think the the thread there with my, with my family would would just be humour and comedy and. Um, quite a mischievous sense of humour that we share. <laughs> so you, you, you're always uh, uh, acting as a comedian in school and things like that? Were you, did you find yourself the, the class clown? I was not the class clown. I was more of a sort of a sniper. I'm a, I'm a, a massive <laughs> introvert, so my, my comedy was often quite subversive and um, I never got into trouble. I never drew attention to myself, but um, there was always an undercurrent of mischief and general undermining of authority that could never be quite pinned on anyone. There was a friend of myself. We were responsible for ascribing nicknames to our schoolmates, and uh, that just same, seemed to become our role. We were the, the nicknamers and... Uh, it's just just a, a picture of how it was in those days. <laughs> Excellent. And and did you um did you get into fly fishing and things like that at a young age? We 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 were fishing because there's quite a lot of nice waters down in that sort of south coast around there, isn't that Hampshire Haven and things like that? Is that? I got I got into fishing um, when I was about ten years old, but I didn't get into fly fishing until about um, yeah, probably was about when we last talked in two thousand and twelve. It was just something I was intrigued by and uh, so it's, it's, it's fairly recent uh, but it's an it's an 
astonishingly effective way of just getting rid of your disposable income once you get the bug. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like the same with cycling, is it? How, how many how many um, bikes does a cyclist need? One more. I guess it's the same with a fisherman, isn't it? How many rods do you need? Oh, um, uh, the, the, the fellow that taught me to fly fish, we were chatting one day and he mentioned that he had 19 rods. And I was like, oh, come on. Who and no one on earth needs 19 fishing rods. Um, I've got 16 currently. So um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the hypocrisy was evident there. <laughs> and what, is, what is it that you like about it? It's the lovely blend of solitude and being out and deeply involved in nature and the companionship. So you're fishing with like-minded people. When you're fishing in remote places, you're fishing with people who tend to be a bit, little bit extreme, a little bit um, unusual. And also, it's the big picture. Um, so, for example, I was, I was fishing in Scotland a few years back and a golden eagle flew overhead. Um, I immediately dropped my fishing rod and climbed up the nearest hill and watched the uh, watched this golden eagle. Whereas my friend, who's very goal oriented, just carried on fishing because he was determined to catch one. So it it just shows different facets of your personality, and it, it, it it's it's expansive, it's relaxing, it's stimulating, it's it's a wonderful meditation. Yes, I remember. I remember us going. We went fishing once, didn't we? We did. We did. <laughs> And I gave up too early because uh, after you rode, I think you know you took me back to the shore. You went back for another go, and and, and I believe you did very well. We we struggled, and then the hatch was on when uh, when I was driving home. What does that say about me? Oh, there's a moral in there, Chris. There has to be. <laughs> now, you, you were voted the Speaker of the Decade by the Academy of Chief Executives, which. Uh, I know is a, is a significant accolade. You know, what's, what is it about your work that attracts so much interest from people? The connection, I believe, between leadership, between people who are in high-pressure roles, running businesses, making very swift and um, impactful decisions, and never having had training or exposure to the skills that can enable people to be more present in the moment so the sessions that i deliver are memorable they're extremely funny and and there is takeaway value that is simple and memorable so that that was my understanding of of why that uh, was awarded to me and i mean talk about surprise i did not see that one coming and then they are they are really i mean i as i mentioned i once uh, the first time i'd heard of you actually it was at the professional speaking association many many years probably 10 years ago something like that and i remember everybody sort of talking saying we must get into the you must get into the john kramer session it's it's brilliant and there was a real demand for it so i got up early and managed to get in and it was hilarious actually wasn't it you know what comes can come out of you in an instant oh. when put under pressure you know, it's it's sometimes uh, shocks you, doesn't it? I, I've been doing this for over 25 years and I am continually surprised by what comes out of people. And, and it's interesting, Chris, you use the word pressure because uh, for me, it's a, it's a blend of pressure and support. So it's the support that people feel in, a, in an environment to be able to express themselves and to be able to not be perfect. 
and the, the, the pressure or the moment where you're on the spot and it's your turn to come up with something, knowing that you can really swing and miss and it's fine, or you can come out with something inspired and hilarious and it's fine, or come out with something that's not funny at all and it's fine. So, yeah, it, is, it constantly surprises me, and it's always the quiet ones that, that, <laughs> that surprise me the most. <laughs> well, you mentioned there that you're introverted by nature, which is, which is interesting because facilitating large groups of people might be something an introvert might, in certain circumstances, avoid. Um, what is it that attracts you to it then? For me, it's... When I walk into a room full of people to deliver a session, I have an internal radar that's tuned to the shyest person in the room. And when I see that person relax and participate and feel comfortable, then we can start to turn up the the heat, as it were, or we can start to really move things forward. And I I feel that being able to internally process the state of the room, the atmosphere, it, it's it's a really thrilling and stimulating experience. So it, it's, I, I, you know, I have colleagues and friends who are presenters who are massive introverts and they very much love the attention and the limelight. I love putting the limelight onto people who are having moments of transformation. That's where the greatest satisfaction is for me. It, it's not about me shining and you know getting the big laughs and the and the applause i would rather the other person have that experience and, and, and do you think those moments of transformation come when people are in a slightly fragile state and then maybe they they, they succeed in that situation and also maybe learn something about themselves and does that lead to more agility or do people come in agile anyway it's fascinating chris i Whenever I work with a group, I'll get briefed um, or I generally get briefed. And the briefing will generally say, here's a list of people who will be very nervous and will wish they weren't there. And here's, here's the person who will be hilarious, wonderful, and will love every moment of this. Without fail, that person who is billed as loving this and, and, and going for it and being hilarious will actually become quieter and more reflective because they are outside of their comfort zone. The ones who are quiet, once they're given permission, which I think is a magical word in any realm of facilitation, once they're given permission to be themselves, and if they are nervous, fragile, intimidated, once that's okay, they can go from there. And those moments of transformation comes come when someone is... is is um, nervous and willing. And once they've stepped out of that, and once the group has responded, it, I've seen remarkable transformations. I've, I've seen people change the way they present. I've seen people make life changes as a result of, of sometimes just one session of improvising and tasting that freedom. Mm. It's, yeah, it's a com comfort... Uh is something that can can hold us back can't we we can get too comfortable and actually by getting un uncomfortable that's sometimes where the the magic starts to happen isn't it where the the opportunity lies 
I mean, what, what do you, in your perspective, um, you know, we're talking about being agile versus fragile. What does that actually, we've got just a couple of minutes till commercial break, but what does that really mean for you? And what are the consequences of not learning to be a bit more agile? I feel that when the, we, we meet the unexpected, which we do continually, we, 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 we always have plans. The plan may be one sentence or one moment long, or it may be a year long, but we always have plans and then we have reality. The, 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 those two things lining up is unusual. So there's generally a gap between the plan and the reality. In that gap, we have a choice to contract, which is absolutely normal and is a survival mechanism, or we can expand and in order to expand we need to ground ourselves acknowledge and accept the fragility and the fear and then expand into the unknown experimentally so that for me is is agile and fragile isn't a binary thing for me the best agility is hand in hand with fragility it's not that one's wrong and one's right one's good and one's bad it's 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 a sense of embracing both and leaning more to the agile so well, we'll come to commercial break now. So after the break, we'll we'll start to look at some you know situations and scenarios. You know how can we you know, behave when life throws curveballs at us, and you know how can we we find the silver linings in these kinds of uh, situations? So we'll look at some different kind of scenarios and how you can utilise uh, your you know your thinking around um, fragility and agility to uh, to help you to to um, be more effective in the moment so we're back again with you in just a couple of minutes to join us when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. 
Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with John Kramer. We're talking about being agile or fragile. And before we come back to John, I want to say a big thank you to um, our show sponsor today, FreshBooks, who um, I really appreciate making a small contribution to the show, uh, which uh, helps us keep going. But also, um, one thing you can be assured is um, for many years, um, I've not had sponsors on the show because I wanted to make sure that there were products and services that if I did that I authentically believed in and uh, and they've got a really a really good product and uh, and also there's no catch with this you don't need to put your credit card in before you try it so um, I, I think that it's worth well having a look at if you're a small business uh, then you know you're going to remember like um, I do that uh, it's it's very hard to and a lot of work initially and there's lots of late nights and early mornings and uh, you're probably also realize like me that you're going to be insanely busy going forward and therefore it's good to have you know products that can make life that little bit easier and our friends at short at FreshBooks have got a solution uh, they're invoicing and accounting software is designed specifically for small business owners it's simple it's intuitive keeps you way more organized than a dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts um, and you can therefore with it create and send professional looking invoices in 30 seconds get them paid twice as quick with automated online payments you can file your expenses quicker you can keep them perfectly organized for tax time and it also FreshBooks grows with your business so you've always had the tools you need when you need them without ever having to learn the ins and outs of accounting you can join 24 million people who've used FreshBooks you can try for free for 30 days. And as I said, there's no catch. And if you go through this link, no credit card required. So go to freshbooks.com slash elevation and enter the business elevation show in the how did you hear about us section to get started. That's important. The business elevation show in the how did you hear about us section to get started and uh, have, a, have a trial. See how you get on. So back to uh, my guest today, uh, John Kramer. Uh, and before the break, we were talking about being agile versus fragile and um, lots of uh, interesting things about John's background and uh, this amazing improvisation that he does. That I think probably it enables him to be able to examine and see people in this kind of fragile state and see them kind of thrive and, and learn. So this has become a, an important topic for John because uh, this is a really important, how do we behave when you know, life, for example, throws curveballs at us? You know, today we've got, you know, would you believe it? There was a, a movie, uh, I believe, called Pandemic or a series uh, recently, but now actually we're in that situation. And, you know, every day people are being diagnosed with illness, um, and that's a you know a great concern, leaving us feeling fragile. How do we operate and behave? And outside of that, we can lose jobs. We split up from partners. And so, John, how do you best mentally deal with these situations from your experience when they arise? From my experience, the uh, the place to deal with this is in the present moment. I find when life is throwing curveballs at me my immediate response is to go into the what ifs, the future. So if this has happened, this could happen, this could happen, then this could happen. Those pathways are generally negative and lead towards disaster of one type or another. And that's a, 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 an ordinary response. It's a natural response to, to project forward from here to a there. What I find works is actually coming into the present moment, doing a reality check and acknowledging, oh, here's where I am, here's what's actually happening, and things are going to unfold moment by moment. And by, I find by doing that, I can bring more of myself, 
more of my abilities into the moment. And also I find a sense of trust. There is, uh, when we go into panic and fear, we lose, we lose a sense of trust, which can make things escalate, makes things worse. So the present moment is, is where I find more agility than fragility. So if you're starting to think about the future and what could happen, and this, this also causes stress, doesn't it? And it causes stress on our immune systems, actually. We're better to just bring ourselves back. And the only thing we can impact right now is just this, this very minute, you know, this moment you're listening to this recording or this interview uh, live and uh, John and I are talking. You know, all we can do is our best in this moment, isn't it? And and, and focus focus in on it. So can I assume, John, that you're not someone who's uh, got, currently got a lounge full of toilet rolls at the moment? <laughs> I do not have a lounge full of toilet rolls, and I am actively disengaging from many conversations about this current topic. Um, it, it, the, uh, the, the, the opportunities for fear and doubt are endless, and I I don't see the purpose of indulging in that. I, I simply address what is happening. I've, of course, been affected by this situation, and, of course, I will be affected more. And when something happens, I will address it to the best of my abilities. I, I won't put energy and time into wondering or thinking or extrapolating. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's good advice. But and often in these situations, you know, often with... You know, with with jobs and potentially with relationship breakdowns, um, you know, and the, the and I guess in this situation, there's probably going to be some some silver linings. We're going to have a bit less pollution for a period of time, you know. For example, I wonder how do you best turn the unexpected into an opportunity? And what have you got any examples that you can give of doing this? People have done this well. The Examples I run into continually when I work with with clients is the central concept of improvisation for me is listening. And when people taste that and experience it in ways that they haven't done before, and when people have an experience of really, really listening and then decide to take that outside the room, it creates different relationships. I had a fellow who was a very successful financial advisor who was became aware how much he was over-preparing for meetings. Just That was the culture, was to just prepare, 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 prepare. And he realized that he knew his stuff. And as an experiment, he decided to prepare less and listen more to his clients. What he found was he was getting great results and simultaneously, his colleagues were freaking out. They were very uncomfortable with the fact that he would just rock up and apparently casually breeze into a meeting and they'd be either mentally or physically carrying big folders full of stuff and information. Uh, this reached the point where he realized that he couldn't function anymore in that culture. He went freelance and is, he's doing very well indeed for himself. And, and that's uh, an example of just applying listening at a level. Yeah, I think that makes um, uh, yeah makes an awful lot of sense. We had a Hollywood uh, producer on the show a few months ago, and uh, he did he did similar actually. He ditched the the huge presentations and just went in, kind of spoke from the heart, and with a within a few minutes and asking lots of questions, he could you know pitch something 
which stood out from everybody else who was going in there with all this, the slides and flip charts and uh, explaining everything in great detail. And uh, he became hugely, hugely successful through through uh, doing that, being a little bit less less prepared, but living in the moment. Um, Absolutely. And for, for me, it's it begins at school. When we go to school, there is a part of us that the education system focuses on. I call it the filing cabinet. And the idea is that the teacher who knows more than you is going to give you lots and lots of information which you will ideally stuff into your brain and organize so that when you are tested on this information, you can regurgitate it and pass the test. And that pattern of learning and that pattern of turning oneself into a walking filing cabinet continues through many people's professional career to where they're afraid to let go of that and be in the moment and have a heartful connection and a conversation, which I believe many of us prefer. Yeah. So, so are you telling us that maybe in, in most circumstances, we probably got everything that we need internally, uh, but when we show up in a room and that actually we maybe should relax into that a little bit and just be with people? Absolutely. Um, I've managed to get by doing that all of my life, and I think most of us have. It's uh, it, it's uh, it's a very natural way of being, and to me, it's a burden to prepare and over prepare, and it actually takes away from engaging more fully in the present moment. And I I've been at this for a while, and I had the most profound realization a couple of years ago. Um, it's profound because it's so simple that I didn't know why I didn't get it years ago. But the realization that in terms of listening, we can only listen to the present moment. We can only listen to what happens now. We can think about the past or the future or a different place. But if we are listening, we are at the very center of where we are and we are totally in the now on a split second basis. And in order to bring myself into the moment, what I do is I listen. I listen to my environment. I listen to whoever I'm with. And I find that my, my level of effectiveness just is dramatically enhanced. And when my stress levels rise, I will just stop and listen. Mm. And, and, and notice. Yeah, notice. It's hard, it's hard to not be in the moment when you're listening intently. Mm. So, you, so you're telling me that the education system hasn't got it right. The fact that I could probably pick up a recorder right now and play bl Three Blind Mice because I was made to do that at school. Um, are you, are you, do you think that might not be particularly useful and that I could have maybe learned a bit more about this being in the now? I mean, if you wanted a new career as 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 a, a busker whose contributions were based on deep sympathy, I think <laughs> sitting there with a recorder blank three blind mice would be a remarkably good skill to have. <laughs> I doubt that outside of that very specific environment, it's much it's it's of much use. Um, the one size fits all systematic education system, the the industrial revolution, factory farmed way of educating young people i feel is is a massive harm to to us as human beings and a lot of improvisation i mentioned earlier on being the, the not the class clown but the class sniper uh, from a humorous perspective the magic of improvisation is that it can 
undo much of that programming very, very quickly. And I have literally had chief executives of companies freeze in a room, 12 people in a room, I've had them freeze and get a certain look in their eye. And if I inquire, they can actually tell me how old they were and the school teacher that shamed or embarrassed them and made them feel awkward on the spot and shut down their creativity. Yeah. Once they're aware of that, and once they choose to step outside of that, you just stand back and get out of the way. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge topic. We could talk about it for a, a whole show, couldn't we? Because, because actually that school teacher's also within a system and within that system, oh. the system's one of control and... Uh, oh. as you say it's a it's quite a quite a production line and uh, of uh, leading to exams etc they're in a system and it's very hard therefore within that system unless you're a very strong teacher to be able to allow this creativity and you know behavior to happen well i i mean i'm not disrespecting teachers in the slightest it it would be absurd for a teacher to release the creative spontaneity of 30 children in a room. That would be absolute chaos and mayhem and would produce nothing other than a huge mess. So, of course, they have to use whatever they have at their disposal in order to, you know, deliver what the system requires. I, I just feel it's, well, I see the after effects. I see people who are remarkably successful from a financial uh, perspective, and yet not happy. And my, my measurement of success is, is happiness. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, how are you, so, you know, to get, isn't to get present in the now, yeah, any strategies for doing that? You know, I, I see, you know, if uh, you see a, a, in the UK, a cricket, cricketer uh, has got to catch a, catch a ball. Suddenly they, everything kind of slows down, doesn't it? And they, there's, you get a, laser-like kind of focus to try and catch this ball or you know a baseball player mm. trying to trying to catch a ball you know the with 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 um what you do with improvisation it's a little bit like suddenly having a ball thrown at you isn't it you've got to got to catch it and uh, you know and uh, kind of release that energy the the strategy i use that i've used for a very long time is it's simple um and difficult the best, my, my favorite, my favorite techniques are simple yet difficult. And it is to plant one's feet on the ground, to be aware of the contact that you have between the soles of your feet and the ground. When I do that, um, I've actually been picked up by colleagues who make fun of me and saying, oh, look, it's the cream of shuffle. I actually stand a certain way on stage during a show if I'm performing, because what I'm doing is I'm consciously planting my feet on the ground that brings me into the present moment feet on the ground listening i'm there i'm ready and i'm, I'm not just ready but i'm actually looking forward to the curveballs so when i'm doing a show for example which is a very specific environment i want my colleagues to try and trip me up to catch me out to challenge me to knock me off center I want curveballs thrown at me because that's when the magic is evoked. So are you imagining yourself then, as you, your feet are firmly planted in the ground, are you imagining yourself like a tree with roots that you're kind of you know, rooted into it? So you've got that, that very firm, firm foundation? 
No, not rooted because I need to be able to move very quickly. So mm. it's just, it's just, I'm on the ground. I'm not in, I'm not rooted in the ground. I, I want to be able to quickly shift and I don't want to use, lose contact with the ground as it were. So it's not a, it's not a meditation on sending your roots down. It's a, it's, it's more a visceral physicality. It's an embodiment. So it's, it's also kind of like a, you know, it's like an anchor planting yourself your feet to yes. the ground, it kind of reminds you by doing that, that actually you, your brain needs to focus. Yes, exactly. And the other core technique of improvising, which goes hand in hand with this, is the idea of saying yes to whatever you're given. So improvisers learn that there are no silly ideas. There are no bad curveballs. There's no curveball that's too curved or not curved enough. We say yes to whatever we're given. So whatever comes at me on stage, I say yes to, as if that's the idea I was hoping for all along. Off stage, I do my best to practice this. It's harder off stage when something has a financial impact or a personal impact. At the same time, there is always the option to say, this is what's happening right now. This is what's happening right now. I'm going from here rather than imagining I'm going from where I wished I were. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break again now, um, but I've really taken out out of the conversation in this segment about, um, you know, getting yourself in the now, in, in the moment, really listening deeply, uh, you know, planting the soles of your feet into the, into the ground when this happens. And uh, I guess, you know, in there, taking a breath, taking a, a, a moment before you respond. So we're going to be back again. We'll explore this even further after the break. Uh, do join us again in just a couple of minutes. the boardroom to you voice america business network would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential chris cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the achiever program one-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. 
Ice Chris Cooper, and I do generally love to hear from you. Wherever you listen to this and you've taken anything from it, or you've got any thoughts, ideas, thoughts for new guests, uh, do feel free to email me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Always great to hear from you, and uh, I do uh, do reply. So I just wanted to um, ask you, John, we, we, we were, before the break, we were talking about this importance in whatever life throws at you, just get yourself in the now rather mm. than worrying about um, all the consequences uh, going into the future into the future and um, you know be aware I guess of situations and scenarios around you and kind of ground your ground your feet um, but what happens when you maybe respond to something and I guess this happens in improvisation um, I've done it before I do it with my wife fairly regularly um, where actually I say something and wish I could just like roll my tongue back up into my mouth and not have said it in the first place because uh, I know that I'm in trouble. Um, what do you do when you get into trouble and you can get into trouble in the workplace by saying the wrong thing as well? Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? How do you how do you recover from it? Um, that's a great question, Chris. As um, There's two things going on here. One is when, when I'm performing, which in a way is a workplace, I'm, I'm looking for those moments. I'm looking to do and say things that are appropriately inappropriate. So that's, that's, that's actually a goal of mine. <laughs> Off stage, as a, as a chronically shy introvert, when I do say the wrong thing, when I do say something that hurts someone's feelings, is my, my idea of the wrong thing is something that's hurtful to someone. It's a very delicate moment. And what my ideal is, is that I have compassion for myself. I don't condemn myself for having made a mistake, having made an error. I ask myself what my intention was when when I said or did what I did, and I do my best to address it with the person and acknowledge and own it. And I find that process is 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 liberating, and it's it's ideally we're making mistakes. I feel that if we're doing things perfectly, we are simply repeating. We're doing what we're already good at. Uh, when we are making mistakes, we must be somewhere new doing something different. So we're, we're going to drop the ball now and then. And for myself, to acknowledge it as openly and as quickly as possible is is the way to address that. Because, mm. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? We can, with with words, you know, we can... You know, I might argue sometimes you, you, you're on the spot and you just say something that wasn't maybe the right thing to say, but people do listen very intently to your words and they put meanings behind them. I mean, you know, the words can mean life or death for some for somebody uh, in, in some, situ- some situations. Um, therefore, you know, it, it's, it's important to ideally to maybe take the time to do your best outside of being off that stage where you've got the... You've got that ability and that freedom to say what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, being careful with your words is 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 important, isn't it? And um, but you say you, the response to it is you've just got to apologise quickly. I, I guess that's my yeah. response. I, it's it's we're all socially conditioned, and we all have an empathetic part of ourselves, or the vast majority of human beings do. And to tap into Empathy and spontaneity simultaneously, to me, is magical. Um, to be simply spontaneous and to lose empathy, as you say, Chris, can be can be harmful. It can really, you know, emotionally bruise someone. So it's that it's that fine line. 
Mm-hmm. Have you have you got any situations when you've been doing doing your your improvisation where where you've uh, you know, said the wrong thing with funny consequences? I mean, what's what's one of your, have you got any favourite stories? I, I don't have anything off the top of my head. There, there is always a moment in a show uh, where we will invite something from the audience. We'll invite a suggestion, or we'll take a written confession. And, uh, well, actually, I've got one. The last show we did, uh, we asked for a confession from an audience member. We just said, who wants to give us a confession? And a fellow confessed. And one of the people he talked about in his confession, one of the characters, was uh, someone who used to go for exorcisms and (laughs) was a white supremacist. At that moment, there is this visceral discomfort in the room. Of, of such a taboo, unpleasant subject. On the stage, there is this deep knowing within the, the troupe of us that are on stage that there will be only one person playing that character and that character will be me. And sure enough, I ended up playing that character. So I, I, I said earlier, like, appropriately inappropriate. Because that was the story, had we ducked that character, we would have let the audience down. Had we in any way endorsed that character's worldview, we would have offended the audience. Yeah. So it's how can someone be that person in a way that's appropriately inappropriate? An obviously inappropriate character, how can that fit into what's happening? And it's generally me that gets to step into that very uncomfortable space because mm-hmm. the rest of them mentally take a step back. <laughs> is, there, is there therefore... Is it there for for businesses who are maybe you know looking to to think creatively about a, a problem or solution? Do they do they need to create an environment like you create when you're improvising with a with a with a company, for example, such that it 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 enables people to feel safe and be able to say anything without offending? Just Absolutely. It, is is that important? You know, to create that if you create that um, you, you create that warm space for people absolutely i i believe that it's been my experience that any group or organization i've walked into there is an invisible um bubble in the room and within that bubble is the agreed upon place that and the agreed upon range of expression and people generally are in a smaller part of that bubble than is necessary and when an organization can create a space where there is freedom to express and there is the support and there is, you know, you can't do or say the wrong thing for the next 30 minutes. What I find really intriguing is that people will express themselves freely without being offensive. It, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's a lovely balance and it's there. It's, it's often that people need to be invited into that bigger bubble, as it were. Mm. So what do, you, what, do, what do these businesses find when you're doing your improvisation sessions, what do they find are the long-term outcomes from them, long-term benefits? I worked with a company in the Midlands and a um, wonderful organisation. The fellow had established it. He came from very a very deprived background and he, he had built a business on his own initiative, very community-minded, um, really wonderful company to be around. And... He sent me a photo about three weeks after the session, and the photo was of the boardroom door. 
and he had unscrewed the sign that said boardroom and he had a, had a sign made that said yes and room mm-hmm. and his entire team knew that whenever they went into that room they would have yes and conversations that no idea was too ridiculous nothing was too absurd to be expressed and that whatever was expressed everyone would say yes and and add to it and build on it obviously most of what came out was absurd and ridiculous and the understanding was that as soon as they left that room they would have what he called the yes but conversation which was actually within all of that craziness with all of that within all of that wackiness there was a real gold nugget that we would like to implement let's look at how we can do that let's look at what would be involved in doing that so they separated their thinking into yes and thinking within this room and yes but thinking outside of that room before they implemented any of the innovation and the initiatives that they had come up with so that was a very clear application of a mindset and a technique that has been very valuable to them. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's great, isn't it? So often you're in a meeting and people people come up with ideas and they're getting shot down <clears throat> and uh, oh, you know, sh- shot down impulsively without actually thinking them through as well. That's to me. That's the the definition of fragility is to reflexively say no to someone's idea or to say, oh yes, but or oh we tried that or here's why that won't work. That's very easy and safe. And to be agile is to go, hmm, ooh, oh, actually, hmm, what if? And and add to that idea. It may go nowhere. At least it's been given space to breathe and to be supported in the moment. And this is really important, actually. What we've, we've only got you know, about two or, three, two, two or three minutes before we need to finish and, uh, and summarize. But actually helping your people in your business become more agile and less fragile is going to require some changes in behavior from from you or from the leadership team to mm-hmm. be able to do that and some of that you know I, lo- I love the idea of the yes and room you know, any other thoughts about how a leader can help their people to become become more agile and less fragile i would i would say by broadcasting that that's their intention and by modeling imperfection by being vulnerable by making mistakes and owning mistakes and and essentially giving people permission to be imperfect and welcoming what it is that they bring. Uh, I have a colleague who has a wonderful catchphrase, which I'm allowed to use, which is structure frees creativity. And if a leader can bring in a structure that frees the creativity of his people and is willing to model that messiness and imperfection then that creativity is unlocked love it structure freeze creativity oh michael aloso is the name of my friend and colleague who lets me use his tagline but no one else is allowed to (laughs) (laughs) well thank you thank you thank you to michael that makes uh, make makes an enormous amount of sense isn't it i think that can become part of the culture of an organization if you can give people that permission to be imperfect Yes. Um, it's, uh, and, and you're you as a leader prepared to be vulnerable and to and to, to model that and to be open and it, it fits in very beautifully with all the work that I do around building engaged workforces and uh, and companies so we're, we're um, close to the end of the uh, interview now um, any 
any sort of final message that you'd like to leave us with? And also, you know, we've, we leave us a final message, but if you've got any final tips around mentally dealing with this coronavirus issue um, in an agile way, then do share. You've got a couple of minutes at the most. Okay. Well, I would, um, in a way, we've been weaving this through as we go. Uh, when life throws you a curveball, and let's say the current volleys of curveballs are all connected to coronavirus, plant your feet on the ground, take a breath, and acknowledge the reality, the actual reality as it is unfolding. And yes, there's going to be a lot, a lot of lost opportunities. There's going to be a lot of financial difficulties, and there will be very unexpected opportunities in what's in what's unfolding and it's always been this way yeah yeah N- nice words you're, you're right there's gonna it's gonna be challenging but there will also be opportunities in it there's no no doubt uh, at all uh, john it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you as it as it always is on this uh the show i can't believe it's been a crikey eight years since you were last joined us and i hope it's not as long next time um, but uh, thank you very much for all of your contribution today and i think you summarized it beautifully plant your feet on the ground acknowledge the reality and uh, uh, and think about what's appropriate in terms of your response the, the reality of it so john hope you've enjoyed being on the show today very much so chris let's go fishing soon that sounds a great idea and uh, let's do that and then if you want to find out more about john go to john kramer dot uh, co uk do you say kramer or creamer john just, i say creamer as in non-dairy because it's say creamer, it's not, so i apologize that I've, no, I've known you many years and i've never said your name correctly so john creamer yes handed it chris you are sorry i just yes handed your pronunciation it's fine <laughs> it's john creamer.co.uk that's c-r-e-m-e-r and on next week's show we have uh, john jane gunn jane's going to be talking to us about resolving conflict by midnight she's a top mediator and uh, that will be a great conversation i'm sure so we're back with you again next week uh, in the meantime any questions or comments send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk and uh, be careful be safe Thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. 